I'm so glad that we've got to this series. It's one of my favorites. I've been looking forward to this. As um, It really interests me how our faith relates to science. Can our faith be rational? Or is it divorced from science uh, and, and reason? What is truth? And is God something that we've made up kind of as a crutch to get us through life that can be so challenging? And, and, and what do we believe and why? So we're going to explore some of that over these next few weeks. And uh, we're going to kind of set this faith and reason series uh, in the midst of the cultural comedy television show from CBS, The Big Bang Theory. Uh, I've got these characters behind me. And if you haven't seen the show, it's about four men. Uh, you can see back here. Three of them are physicists. One is an engineer. Uh, and it's they're kind of geeky guys. And it's about them going through life uh, and their significant others. Uh, it's a very funny show. Uh, and uh but I can't fully endorse everything that's on there. There's some morality things that are very contrary to the Bible. They also challenge religion and kind of make fun of it sometimes. Uh, so the whole show couldn't be in church, but it kind of frames it in our culture again about how do faith, people of faith, deal with people who don't believe and, and lean to science and lean to reason and understanding. And so we're going to try to see if those two things can come together and be compatible. Or are they totally polar opposites? And hopefully we'll have some fun along the way. Well, I'm glad you're here today. I'm Pastor Kyle Thompson uh, and just excited to jump in with you this morning. Just want to start out with just a few simple questions uh, and you can feel free to yell out the answer if you know it. The first one uh, is this. What's one plus four? <laughs> hey, I told you it was easy, right? What's two plus three? Right? What five plus zero? Five, right? How do we know that one plus four is five and two plus three is five and five plus zero is five? How do we know that? Who tells us that and why do we believe that? So, yeah, probably our teachers, yeah, uh, that, that sort of thing. We, we put our trust in them. Let me ask you this. What's four plus three? Okay, what's two plus five? What's zero plus seven? So, right, so why do we believe four plus three is seven rather than five? What if I said four plus three is five? What would you say to me? That I'm, I'm wrong, right? How do we know? How do we know what's true and who defines 5 plus 0 is 5 rather than 4 plus 3 is 5? How do we know that? Who do we trust? Who do we look to to tell us the truth? Now let me ask you some more questions. You don't have to answer these out loud. Just maybe think about that. Is it ever okay to kill someone? Is it ever okay to kill someone? Because most people in the world say that murder is a bad and a wrong thing. But could it be okay to kill someone if it was in self-defense? or to protect your family, or to go to war and kill someone in war that was a, a justified war? Would it ever be okay to kill someone if they wore the wrong shirt, say a Carolina shirt to a Duke game, or a South Carolina shirt to a Clemson game, or an Alabama shirt to an Auburn game? Would it be okay to kill them then? Okay, someone says no. Why not? Who says? Who, who says that it's right to kill at this moment and it's wrong to kill at this moment? Right? Now this next one could get me in trouble, so don't answer out loud. Um, when does life begin? Is it at the point of conception? Is it at the point of one week pregnant? Is it at the point of three months pregnant? When does a fetus become a baby whose life is equal to the mother? Right? Who defines when that is? Who, who says when this is life? 
uh, and it would be murder to abort that life. Who, who makes that decision? Who says that is true? Is it ever okay to tell a lie? Right? Would it be okay to tell a lie if, if you were in a terrorist situation, a kidnapping situation, and it could save your life? Would it be okay to tell a lie? Would it be okay to tell a lie when your spouse or significant other asks if they put on weight lately? Uh, <laughs> when is it okay to tell a lie? Is it okay to clone a human being? Is it okay to harvest stem cells? If you and I witnessed an accident right after we left the theater today and the police interviewed us in in separate rooms and and I said that one car was at fault and you said the other car was at fault, we both saw the same thing happen. Who would be telling the truth? And who should the policeman believe, right? Your pastor, right? (laughs) Because it speaks for God. So, So what is truth? I want to I read a passage of scripture in the Bible. It's right as Jesus has been arrested. Uh, he's, he's on trial right now. He's, he's going to be executed. Uh, and he's been taken before the Roman ruler Pilate. And Pilate's asking him a lot of questions. Most specifically, do you think you're the king of the Jews? Or are you going to rise up against Rome? Those were important questions for him to struggle with and, and to ask himself or to ask Jesus. And so um, we pick up in John's gospel, chapter 18. Uh, the gospel is the good news of Jesus. This is the fourth book in the New Testament. Uh, and this is where we have it. You're a king then, said Pilate. And Jesus answered, You say that I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? retorted Pilate. And with this, he went out again to the Jews, gathered there and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. Now, what's important to me is that first sentence in that last verse, What is truth? What what is true? How do we know 5 plus 0 is 5 rather than 4 plus 3 is 5? How do we know when it's okay to kill someone or okay to lie? Or do we have genetic cloning or is abortion acceptable and okay? How how do we know what is true? Now, I think we all will agree on the math part, right? Right? 5 plus 0 is 5 and 4 plus 3 is 7. We can can count it out. We can look at that. We We can all agree about that. But how do we know what's true when it comes to things like behavior, like morality and ethical conduct? How do we know what's truth philosophically? How do we know what's true in politics? Because we hear people telling us two entirely different things. How do we know what's true? How do we know which religions are true and which ones are right? There's so many different religions in the world. There's Christianity, there's Judaism, there's Islam, there's Hinduism, there's Buddhism. And how do we know which one is right? Can they all be right? Can they all be correct? You know, there, there's an idea that uh, they say that all religions are somehow correct and that, that, that God is kind of like an elephant in a dark room. Uh, and the Christian has grabbed the trunk and says, you know, this must be God. And the Hindu has grabbed a, an elephant's leg and says, this must be God. And, and we are all partially true, but we don't see the big picture because we're reaching in the dark. And and that's an enticing way to understand world religions, but I think that it breaks down. Because I think if you study world religion, you'll see that we believe very differently 
about who or what God is. Is it a personal God? Is it an impersonal God? We believe entirely differently about what the, the purpose of life and eternity is about. You know, we believe that it's about spending eternity with the personal God in the glorious kingdom of, of, of heaven and the new earth that, that God ushers in. And, and other world religions believe that, that the end of life is supposed to be we just cease to exist. So when you put world religions side by side, we say entirely different things. So how do we know who's right? Is, in fact, there an objective truth, one truth, one thing that that's just the way it is, and either you agree with that or you don't. When it comes to morals, when it comes to ethics, when it comes to religion, how can we know what is really true? Well, that's what we're going to explore today. And I'm going to, in a very few minutes, in just a short amount of time, kind of catch everybody up to speed on, on the history of the world, especially in the Western world, in America and Europe, of what people have believed about the truth. And so I hope it's going to be more interesting than that just sounded. <laughs> and so... Uh, <laughs> I'm going to be making some broad generalizations, and so if like you're an expert uh, in philosophy or uh, epistemology, like like how we know things, then please forgive me because I'm going to kind of rush through this. But I, I want to try to hit the key points to help us understand how people have believed things are true in world history. So it, it all begins in antiquity. Okay, antiquity. Think antique. Think old. Okay, so think ancient Egypt, ancient Rome, ancient Greece, ancient Europe, all that kind of stuff. Right? For for thousands of years, people in the world believed that truth was given to us by God. It was revealed divinely that God is the objective truth, and God reveals truth to the creation, and and that's people. Now, the trick is which God or which gods are right because the Egyptians believed in gods and the Greeks believed in gods and the Romans believed in gods. Certainly in Christianity, we have a long tradition. First of all, it started with the Jewish faith, you know, God the Father, God Yahweh. And of course, you know, Jesus came along, the Son of God, the Holy Spirit as, as revealed to us in the first century and, you know, really caught on all the way up until like 16th, 17th, 18th century in the Enlightenment. We really believed that God is the truth. God makes the truth and God reveals the truth to us. Does that make sense? So for, for a long time in the history of the Western world, truth has been something that's been given to us. It's been revealed to us from God. Now that began to change in the 17th and, or the 18th and the 19th century, the 1700s, the 1800s, uh, as the, the, the age of reason came in. It's called the Enlightenment uh, in, in world history as, as you look at Western world history. And, and so what started happening was people began to think, you know what, we don't really need this concept of God anymore. Right? We need to grow up. We're smart people, and it's not a God who doesn't really exist or gods who don't really exist who, who define truth, but humanity. We set the truth. And we're pretty smart people, and, and so this was the age of reason, and, and that's where people really started relying more on, on, on reason and on science and, and on experiments and philosophy and, and things like that rather than on revealed faith. And so this ushered in what's called the modern age. And we, we talked about antiquity being the old age. The modern age is known as modernity. The word modern plus I-T-Y, modernity. And, and so now we don't need the concept of God. Human beings determine what is true and what is real through our research and through our understanding. And, and so that's kind of the, the whole modern thing. And, and there's just this air of confidence 
that we've arrived in, and we can determine what's true based on our observations of what's true in nature and in reality. And so that's kind of the modern era. One way to kind of illustrate this is to look at the logo of Harvard University. Harvard was started in the 1600s uh, to make Christian pastors. Uh, And so uh, the key word in their logo, we've got a picture of it, is veritas. And veritas is a Latin word which means truth. And so they wanted to explore the truth. Initially, it was the Christian truth, the truth of Jesus. Now, Harvard's become a secular university and and, and things have kind of gotten different and changed. And their logo is very revealing about truth. So when way back in the day when this logo first was created, you see veritas, the Latin word for truth, is spread across three different books. And, and, and when it was first done, the first two books were open books. And then the third book was, was face down but because that symbolized something important. And I've read two different things that it might have symbolized. One is that, that, that all truth hasn't been written yet. So we need to show that one of the books is, is face down. We, we, we haven't written all of the truth yet. Another idea about why the book was down in the motto is that we'll never know all the truth. That there, there is a limit to human understanding. Right? That there, there's things beyond us. There are divine things that we will never understand. And so that, that book, the third book in Veritas, was face down. Right? But now with the modern age and moving forward, you'll notice in the Harvard logo, the, the bottom book is open. Because it says that human beings are smart enough to understand everything. We will figure out all the answers and we don't need God anymore. Does that make sense? So that's the modern era. Now, there are some challenges to this. And I want to illustrate this with this funny clip about playing Pictionary with the Big Bang people here. And we'll talk about it in just a second. Check this out. That's hilarious, isn't it? You see why the show continues to to be shown and viewed and is still making new shows. But what's interesting here is that sometimes I think we can be too smart for our own good. Sheldon, genius physicist, genius physicist, very good dresser, genius physicist (laughs) who can't see a chocolate chip cookie because he sees all these things as quarks. And so sometimes I think we can be too smart for our own good. Sometimes we're not as smart as we think we are. And I think that's the challenge with modernity, with this modern view that we don't need God anymore. We don't need God to reveal the truth to us anymore. There is no God. We are humans. We can figure it out. It's an age of optimism. It's an age of confidence. We've got it all figured out. But the sad truth is, just like Sheldon and Leonard broke down in Pictionary, the whole modern way of thinking, all of modernity, broke down in some very frightening ways. And most especially in two specific events, and that was World War I and World War II. In the age of reason, in the age of enlightenment, in the age of humans coming into their own and understanding everything, and we've got all the answers and we'll make this heaven on earth, we killed millions and millions and millions and millions of people in horrific ways. The trench warfare of World War I, where it wasn't just big bombs and bullets, it was stabbing people right in the guts with bayonets, horrific endings. It's World War II where Nazi Germany decides and is able to eradicate six million people because of their ethnicity or their religious belief, basically because they're non-white Aryans. Six million people wiped out by Nazi Germany with the Christian Church of Germany helping to do that. The Christian Church of Jesus Christ wiping out six million people because they were not white Aryans. 
And then the American response, trying to save the world, and we're doing our best to do that, we dropped two bombs, the first nuclear bombs in history on two cities in Japan, absolutely wiping them out. Wiping out some real bad people, absolutely, but also wiping out men, women, and children. Every single soul living in those two cities was incinerated, burned to death in a flash. And we say, hey, it's okay, it's justified because it ended the war. And it absolutely ended the war, it absolutely saved lives, but it doesn't make it any less horrific that we burned to death, incinerated all those men, women, and children. And so with World War I and World War II, modernity comes crashing down. Maybe we're not as smart as we think we are. Maybe we uh, are too smart for our own good. And so a challenge comes along to modernity, and it's, it's the postmodern challenge. So we move from modernity to postmodernity. Post means after, so it's after the modern way of thinking. And so postmodern thinking or postmodernity says this about truth. There is no truth. There is no absolute truth that you can say this is the way that things go because when we say that there's truth, we end up killing millions of people in World War I and World War II. So there's no such thing as absolute truth is the postmodern way of understanding truth. And so instead, truth becomes relative. It becomes based on our perspective. What's true for you is true for you. And what's true for you is true for you. What's true for me is true for me. So don't you try to tell me what's true for me, and I won't tell you what's true for you. And so postmodern thinking is much more inclusivistic. Postmodern thinking tries to be much more um, accepting and, and tolerant. Postmodern thinking, rather than being confident that we have all of the answers, right? Postmodern thinking is more about we have a lot more questions and, and we need to try to figure this out together. Now, faith becomes a little bit more important in postmodern thinking, but, but it's faith that's different than antiquity. The faith of postmodernity is uh, it's faith on our terms, not on God's terms. We kind of set the terms for faith. It's kind of like hearkening back to Thomas Jefferson when he made his own Bible. He cut out the parts of the Bible that he didn't like and he kept the parts that he did, so he made his own Bible. Right? Postmodern thinking is what's true for you is true for you. What's true for me is true for me. And that sounds different and better than, than modernity. And in some ways it is. But we still live in a world full of violence. And so while confidence was kind of the hallmark of modernity, anxiety is the, is the hallmark of postmodern thinking. And we can also make some easy challenges to postmodern thinking. So if, if what's true for you is true for you, what's true for me is true for me, if I want to believe 4 plus 3 is 5, then I'm right, and you can't tell me any different. Right? Because there's no truth. There's no objective truth. So it can be 5, 10, 15, whatever I feel like it being today. Right? So, so that's where we are. We've had antiquity. We've had modernity. And now we're in the postmodern world. And, and that's ever-evolving in, into something new and into something different. So I want to go back to, to the Scripture again. and I want to go back to Jesus. Same Gospel, Gospel of John. This is back in time a little bit, though. We're not yet to Pilate questioning Jesus. Jesus is with his disciples. He knows he's getting ready to go to Jerusalem. He's going to get arrested. He's going to be put on trial. He's going to be killed. And he's trying to prepare them for that. Say, I'm, I'm going to die. And, but he says, don't worry. Right? It's going to be okay. I'm going to a better place and I'm going to go prepare a place for you and I'm going to come back and I'm going to bring you with me. 
And the disciples are like, well, how do we know where you're going? How, do we, how will we find the way to where you are? Right? Great questions. And so this is what Jesus says in response uh, in John's Gospel. This time we're in John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus is saying that God is real, that there is objective truth, and that I am His Son, and I, I am revealing the Father to you. I'm going to send another part of God to you, the Holy Spirit, back into the world. I am the way to God. God is truth, and I am the way to get to God. If you want life, if you want truth, then, then I am the way. Jesus didn't just point us to the way. Jesus is the way. And that's not a very politically correct statement. But it's what Jesus said. I am the way and the truth. I am the way to God. And so we have to look at Jesus in one of three ways. Either he was telling the truth, he was a liar, or he was delusional and crazy. So either Jesus was telling the truth, he was lying, or he was delusional. And so the question is, what do we think about Jesus and what he said? So what? So, so what? So how does this affect my life? So what is Scripture trying to teach us? So what do we try to make sense of antiquity and modernity and post-modernity? So what? What's the big idea? Right? I think it's really clear, and it's crystal clear in the Scripture, right? The so what moment is Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the truth. There is objective truth. There is God. God made everything. God orders everything. God became a person in Jesus and if we want to know the truth, then we can pursue a personal uh, and a collective relationship with God through Christ. Right? If we want to know the truth, it's in Jesus. Right? If, if we want to know the truth, it's in Jesus. Again, it's not politically correct. It's exclusive. It's saying all the other things are wrong. But it's inclusive saying anyone can come to Christ. Right? And so we really begin to have to think and wrestle with, what do I believe? Right? And as Christians... Those of us who follow Jesus, even then it's still hard. How, how do we know what is true? What, what do we know about abortion? What do we know about cloning? What do we know about you know, justified war? You know, we're struggling with homosexuality right now in, in our denomination, trying to figure out what's going on. Part of the problem is Jesus was silent on the issue. He says nothing about it. The Old Testament says something. Paul says something. But Jesus is silent. So how do we pursue the truth if we believe that Jesus is the truth? John Wesley gave us some ways to do that, and, and it actually kind of spans antiquity and modernity and postmodernity. He said, we know, we know the truth is revealed through Scripture, through the Bible, right? That, that God revealed things to us. That's a very antiquated, antiquity kind of way of looking at things. Jesus says there's church tradition, church teaching. Uh, he says that we use our, our minds, our reason, right? That's a modern way of connecting with Christ. And he says we use our personal experience. That's a postmodern kind of way. So John Wesley was spanning all three of these things, and he didn't even know it probably. Uh, and then, of course, he says it's a, we are called to pray to God. Right? But even then, right? Same Bible, same church tradition. We have you know, reason and personal experience and prayer. And still, Christians 
can come down on one issue on two sides and we both think we're right and we both think God's on our side. We both think the Bible's on our side. We, we know that God is with us on the abortion thing or we know that God's with us on homosexuality. We know that God's with us when it comes to violence and war and, and they're Christians on both sides of the aisle. How do we understand that? I'll just say it as simply as I can. Some of us are wrong. Some of us are wrong on one issue and some of us are right on another issue. And if you're like me, the challenge that I have is a lot of times rather than going to God to see what God says, I form an opinion and then I think God agrees with me. And so I say, God said this. Right. So a lot of times it's God's will. Stamped actually falsely using our will. Right. So, so a lot of times we're wrong. We choose what we want and we put God's stamp approval on it. Right. I. I if there's objective truth, we can't all be right. right. If there's objective truth, we can't all be right about everything. So what happens when, we're, when we disagree? And this is the part where I think we really look at the Bible and we really look at Jesus' experience. We do what I, I said last week in, in, in the lesson last week is that we be kind to each other. We don't kill each other. We don't make fun of each other. We don't gossip about each other. We don't, we don't insult each other. We come together acknowledging we don't have all the answers, but that there is some kind of truth, and we're seeking this truth together. That's why it's so important to be in churches that we come together and we try to figure things out and try to figure out what God's calling us to do. And when we disagree, we love each other through it, and we move forward. Sometimes we agree to disagree because we can't figure out really what God's calling us to do, but that's the challenge, but that's the beauty of the church, and that's the beauty of following Christ. So now what do we do about it? This is the one thing I'd like to invite you all to do this week, and I really want you to take this seriously, and it's probably something that we don't do often enough. I really want you to wrestle with the truth. And by that, I mean, in your life, where do you seek truth? Right? Because this makes a difference. Where we seek truth will affect how we live our lives. Is truth something that comes outside of us from God? Is truth something that we set for ourselves? And, and, uh, or do we look to a politician to tell us what's true? Do we look to CNN or MSNBC or Fox News to tell us what's true? Do we look to celebrities to tell us what's true? Do we look to Facebook or Twitter to tell us what's true? Who do we turn to to find out what is true? Because it will affect everything that we do in our life. Who or what do you turn to for the truth? And if you haven't given Jesus a chance, I would encourage you to do that. Right? From my experience, a postmodern kind of way of thinking of things, I turn to the one who laid down his life for me because I don't know many people, many gods, many people who would do that for me. And I believe in Jesus that what he said in John 10.10 10 is true, that he came to give us life to the full. And I don't want to miss out on that. I don't want my family to miss out on that. I don't want you to miss out on life to the full. And so, so I, I think we're supposed to pursue Jesus. We're supposed to pursue him through scripture and tradition and reason and experience and prayer, but we're supposed to pursue Jesus. And look, I'm not going to sugarcoat it, right? The world is a beautiful place. It's full of good people that do great things, but the world has always been a mess. It was a mess in antiquity. It was a mess in modernity. It's a mess in post-modernity. It's always going to be a mess until Jesus comes back. But in the meantime, we have Christ with us. And so have you pursued that, Jesus? <coughs> when, when Pilate was facing the truth, right? The, the truth was right there in front of Pilate. 
right? And, and, and he says to the crowd, I, I don't find anything wrong with this man. I'm ready, right? I can let him go or I can let another prisoner go, right? It's a tradition that we have in Rome and I'm glad to let Jesus go. I don't, I don't think that he's done anything wrong. Who do you want me to let go? And of course, they say, give us Barabbas. They, they, they take the other one. And, and when I read that, what I read is that they had the truth, the truth, the way, the truth, the life right in front of them. And the truth, as Jack Nicholson says in a different movie, they couldn't handle the truth, right? They couldn't handle the truth. And so they killed the truth. They couldn't handle the truth. They killed the truth. What are we going to do? What do we believe is true? What do we think is true? Will we see Jesus right in front of us? Will we believe that Jesus is, is who He says He is and that He does what He says He will do? So if, you, if you've got your communion packets, if you, if you can pull those out, I think this, this relates to what I'm saying. If Jesus is the Son of God, if he, if he came to the earth, He created all of us in, his, in God's beautiful image. We have all this goodness about us, which is great. He, he also gave us the freedom to choose. And sometimes we make great choices and, and we do right things and, and we're wise. And sometimes we make horrible choices and we, and we bring guilt and shame into our lives. Right? And Jesus came to take all that bad decision, all those bad decisions on Himself. He died and he, he got rid of it. And he, he came back to life and he gives us access back to God. Right? In my experience, when I have been in line with what God has for me in my life, I have encountered joy and I have encountered peace, even in the midst of difficult circumstances. It doesn't mean my life has been easy or is a cakewalk. But even in the midst of that, when I'm in line with Jesus and the truth, man, it, it's good and I live life to the full. When I go my own way... And, and I put God's stamp of approval on it when He doesn't approve it, when I do my own thing and I'm not aligned with the truth, that's when right, the guilt comes in, that's when the shame comes in, that's when the regret comes in, and that's when I need the blood and the body of Jesus to, to wash me clean. But it's not about me today, it's about us. Do you know the truth of Jesus? Do you know that joy, that peace that, that no one can rob from us? Do you know what it's like to live life to the full in God's terms? Do you know what it's like to carry around guilt and shame and, and regret? And, and wouldn't you like to just surrender that? that right? Jesus is the truth. The truth's a person. Right? It's God incarnate. Jesus came to show us the way. Will you give Jesus a chance today? Maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe you're not sure about it, but maybe it sounds interesting. Maybe we've been Christians our whole lives and we've kind of just fallen off and we, we need a, a boost of, of support and you know, kind of a, a refresher. Or maybe we're God's on fire in our lives right now and we can't wait to receive this. But John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, believed that when we receive Holy Communion, we open ourselves to God. So that's all I'm asking you to do today is open yourself to the truth of Jesus. Go home this week and, and wrestle. What, what do I think is true? Have I encountered the truth of God? Is, is truth something that can be revealed to me? And, and do I know the truth of God? The best thing to do right now is just open our hearts and take a moment. Right? Just, just, let's just take a moment of silence and just, just, just call out to God in our own lives.
gracious and ever-loving God, we want to believe that you're real. We want to believe that you're true. We want to believe that there is an objective truth in life and that and that, that you are love and that you are good and you have created us to be in relationship and you have plans for our lives, great plans, and that, that we can live life to the full. Even in the midst of challenges, we can live life into eternity, Lord, with you. We want to believe that. We want to believe that's true. And we just we hear so many competing voices in our lives. Sometimes those voices are our own. We, we want things our way. And, and God, we just we all can't be right about everything at the same time. And so, God, today we ask you to forgive us when we get it wrong. We ask you to come live in us and show us that truth is revealed to us in a person, in a divine person of Jesus Christ. Help us to, to live our lives seeking the truth of Christ through the church and, and through Scripture and through our reason and our experience, God. But let it, let, it, let it be a spark in us right here and right now. We ask that you make this bread for us, the body of Christ broken for us, this grape juice, the, the blood of Christ shed for us. If we're watching from home today, I just I invite you to take a pause and, and go get a piece of bread, go get some water, get some grape juice, whatever you have, God is going to make it sacred for you. God, just be with us today. Help us to experience you as the truth. In Christ's name, amen. So I would invite you to, to peel back the, the top layer and to know that this wafer is really the body of Jesus Christ broken for you. And then to peel back the next level to get to the grape juice knowing this is the blood of Jesus Christ shed for you. Pilate, people of Israel, people throughout history have not been able to handle the truth of Jesus. I would challenge you to take on that, that opportunity this week. Struggle with the truth. What do you believe is true? And give Jesus a chance and find out that the truth is in the person of Christ. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.